Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One thing I want to get to uh, away from Texas TCU just for a moment. By the way, don't forget... It's a 6.30 kickoff, so our Bud Light pregame show is going to start from Bevo Boulevard. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Mike Hart, four hours before kickoff. So 2.30 is when they'll start, take you up to 5.30 when the network pregame starts with Craig, Roger Wallace, and Will Matthews leading you up to 6.30 for the kickoff of Texas and TCU. you got game day Saturday morning, so a big full day of stuff going down on the 40 acres. Uh, before we talk about the game, though, and get it, start getting into some nuances, and I've, I've gone through some nuances this week on the show, I do want to uh, direct you to uh, my colleague Chip Brown has a story up uh, about this at Hornets 24-7 about the Texas NIL initiatives being consolidated into the Texas One Fund, and it's going to have involvement from the university. Uh, that's Clark Field Collective, uh, Occupy Left Field, uh, 40-pack, which is basketball, Horns with Heart, uh, the National Championship Golf Foundation. They're all going to operate in unison under the Texas One Fund. Uh, Texas is now able to endorse the Texas One Fund because of recent NCAA changes regarding NIL guidelines. In October, the NCAA Division I Board of Directors announced it was changing its stance that previously prohibited schools from directly participating in NIL opportunities. In its announcement, the Division I Board said that school personnel, including coaches, can assist an NIL entity uh, with fundraising through appearances or by providing autograph memorabilia, but cannot donate cash directly to those entities. School staff members also cannot be employed by or have any ownership stake in an NIL entity. Schools can request donors provide funds to collectives and other NIL entities, provided the schools do not request that those funds be directed to a specific sport or student athlete. So... You can get the horns 24-7, read more of that, but that's kind of the gist of it. Basically, Texas taking advantage of some recent legislation by the NCAA, putting all of their NIL initiatives under one umbrella. So it's a good thing for the student-athletes. It's a good thing for Texas. It's a good thing, actually, now, I mean, coaches aren't supposed to mention NIL deals you know, when, when they're in on the road recruiting, but now, now that this is allowed, man, now Sark can talk about NIL deals or Chris Beard can talk about NIL opportunities. David Pierce can talk about NIL opportunities and have direct knowledge of what's going on. So it's good for everybody involved. Uh, Snoop, I've said this, man, anytime, anytime student athletes can make money while their marketability is at its highest. And you got to think, and I'm not just talking about like the Olympic sports, right? Because in some of those sports, there aren't professional leagues that will compensate them well. But I'm talking about, like, if you're a football player, your highest level of marketability might be when you're in college. So, man, anything these young men and women can do to get some money for themselves, I'm all for it. So, uh, yeah, you can get the Horns 24-7 and check out more of that. But also did our staff predictions on the site. Uh, those went live today. I have my staff prediction for the game, my prediction, and we'll we'll get to some of that uh, maybe more tomorrow. But you can go to the site right now and see what I uh, what I did for my prediction. Um, you know, 
in the prediction I talk about, and, and I'll mention this again throughout the day. By the way, Specs Text Line is open 337-3776. We'll get to your feedback because you've already got some stuff rolling in, especially people offering to help Snoop with some Venmo or Cash App to help get into some high school games tonight. But I digress. Uh, I, I mentioned a couple of things in my uh, staff prediction that uh, I've mentioned throughout the week. You know, the ability Texas has to potentially slow down the TCU run game. Again, Texas defensively only six rushing attempts allowed this season that have gone for 20 or more yards. I think when you just look at Texas defending the run, uh, you know, Sark talked about yards per play. Yards per rushing attempt is something that I look at because, again, if you give up one big run, sometimes your overall yards per game or just gross yards are your net yards that can get a little bit diluted. But you look at Texas this year in terms of yards per rushing attempt allowed, Texas is leading the Big 12, uh, 3.39. Think about that. Texas last season at 5.15, the second worst yards per carry allowed in school history. Now they are the best in the Big 12, and they are a borderline top 30 run defense overall. So that turnaround is because of that interior defensive line group. I just think Pete Kwiatkowski has to trust Bo Davis and trust his guys that they can handle the TCU run game by themselves. What I did mention in the staff prediction and kind of the one unknown that I don't really know about TCU How much are they going to use Max Duggan in the quarterback run game? You know, you go back to the game where TCU beat Oklahoma, and Max Duggan, and granted, we know Oklahoma is terrible defensively. I mentioned how good Texas is uh, defending the run in terms of yards per carry out. Oklahoma, Snoop, they're butt-naked last in the Big 12 Mm. in terms of yards per carry allowed. Uh, 4.76 yards per carry allowed for Oklahoma. And uh, Max Duggan just ran wild on the Sooners that day in Fort Worth. And then, you know, he got a little bit banged up in their win over Kansas. I think it was the, the win over Kansas where he got a little bit banged up. But I remember watching the West Virginia game, and at that point you could tell something wasn't completely right with him. They hardly ran him that day. It was a lot of Kendra Miller and a lot of quick passing game. Quentin Johnston got banged up in that road game against West Virginia. Which, by the way, I heard Aaron Hogan making picks this morning. He's right, West Virginia, totally different on the road than they are at home. They're actually a really respectable team when they're at home. On the road, not so much. Uh, And TCU really had to battle to get that win at Morgantown. But they didn't run Max Duggan a whole lot. Last week, uh, Max Duggan ran for, in their win over Texas Tech, if you take out like sack yardage, if you look at just his rushing numbers, it was 8 for 29, so they're using him a little bit more, but they're not getting that that those big chunk yardage plays in the run game. Uh, like they were early in the year. And so, and look, Texas has seen plenty of Max Duggan over the years. You know he's very capable. My question is, how healthy is he? And to what extent do Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley want to use the quarterback run game? Because we talk about defending the middle of the field in the passing game. I still think if you really want to attack Texas, they're better on the edges than they were last year. But, man, if you're talking about path of least resistance, trying to run the ball against Texas, I'd much rather take my chances with Ovia Gofu. And no disrespect to Ovia Gofu and Baron Sorrell and even, you know, Jade Barron at that star position or or Mo Blackwell if they're running, if he's at that star position or they're running some big dime or whatever. I'd much rather take my chances running the ball at those guys than trying to run it at Keandre Coburn and Tavondre Sweat 
and Moro Ojimo and Byron Murphy, Vernon Proughton, Alfred Collins, that's six deep. If you're talking about those two interior defensive line rotations, they are legitimately three deep in terms of being able to shuffle guys in and out. And I, I'm at the point now where, I, Snoop, I think I trust this defensive line. I really do. I, I was really disappointed in that group last year. I'm not alone in that. But – I, I really think I'm to the point where I'm believing in this defensive line. And, again, I just think it goes back to does Pete Kwiatkowski believe in that defensive line enough? Does he trust them enough to be able to, with the help of probably Jalen Ford or maybe DeMarvin Overshone, whichever linebackers you want to use, does he trust that front enough, a lighter front? Does he trust them enough to be able to slow down the TCU run game to where he can deploy an extra defensive back to stopping the best wide receiver group you'll see this season, a passing game that they can stretch you horizontally, not just with their splits, but they'll run a ton of screens. They'll run a ton of quick passing game. Why wouldn't they attack the middle of the field since everybody's been able to do it on Texas, and especially if Quentin Johnston plays. But even if he doesn't, they can still get you vertically with Darius Davis and Tay Barber, Savion Williams. So this TCU passing game, uh, it is nothing to be trifled with. Texas needs to deploy as many resources as possible. I think for me, and again, I've talked about this a little bit this week, I think the key for the Texas offense is going to be, man, can you just maximize, can you, when your opportunities are there for chunk yardage plays, can you hit on them? I guess the TCU's dead last in the Big 12 at giving up plays this season of 20-plus yards. They've given up 53 plays from scrimmage of 20-plus 20, uh, 20 yards. And that's not only you know taking your shots down the field, but when, when you think of chunk yardage plays – a lot of that can be your screen game. Your per, not just your traditional screens to, to B. John Robinson or Roshan Johnson, but your perimeter screens. That, that smoke screen to Savion Red was a really good play for them. We've seen them uh, use Xavier Worthy in, on that, that, that fake orbit motion, the pivot orbit motion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, make, try to make TCU make tackles in space. You know, Kind of use that speed against them. They're going to fly to the football, but man, it is really hard when you're flying to the football uh, and especially that high-risk, high-reward nature of that TCU defense. It it can be really hard against a guy like Xavier Worthy or Jordan Whittington or Bijan Robinson to to fill the alley or come screaming downhill and try to come to balance and make a good tackle, especially with as elusive as some of these Texas playmakers are. So, Snoop, again, I'm, I referenced this already this week. I know you said as I was talking about the Iowa, the Oklahoma State and Kansas State games, how the confidence kind of waned a little bit. Yeah. I just, I don't know, maybe it's overconfidence for me, but I'm feeling really confident uh, about Texas' chances to beat TCU. I, the more I think about it, if if Pete Kwiatkowski is willing to trust that defensive line, I just think it's a really good matchup. Uh, Texter says, when is the last time an undefeated top 10 team played at Texas? We talked about this yesterday. The last time it's happened, I mean, you've had teams that were undefeated come into DKR. Uh, West Virginia, I think, in 2012 was ranked when they were ninth in the country. Geno Smith and company, they were undefeated. Uh, Stedman Bailey and Tavon Austin, they were undefeated. But the last time, it was this late in the year when Texas hosted an undefeated top 10 team. Really, if you want to talk about a team that was undefeated and untied, you got to go all the way back to Thanksgiving 1992. Texas A&M was 9-0 coming into DKR, uh, and they well won that game to go 10-0. Uh, and the Aggies had a chance to to get themselves in the mix, going to the Cotton Bowl and all that stuff. But that's the last time it happened, 1992. So that was 30 years ago, the last time it was this late in the year where Texas hosted uh, a, a true undefeated team uh, in 94 A&M came in and A&M was on probation that year so the schedule was a little bit wonky it was a little bit earlier in November uh, but A&M was I think 9-0-1 at that point or 8-0-1 uh, 
Uh, they tied SMU that year. They were ineligible to win the Southwest Conference. So it's been a minute since it was this late in the year where Texas hosted a top 10 team. Again, game day is going to be in town, all those festivities, and then we'll get you started with the Bud Light pregame at 2.30 down at Bevo Boulevard. All right, we'll keep the Texas football talk rolling throughout the day, but right now let's take a break. We'll come back. Not only are we going to get Snoop's edition of the Whataburger Top 5, Top 5 Road Trips today, and Snoop, you've got, uh, you've got your road trips lined up? How many, yes, I do. How many ties we got today? Three. Three ties? Uh-huh. Three. I love the fact. I love the fact that you just want to spread the love, Snoop. That's what the tie is all hey, about. I, I can't spread the love the way I want, so I got to do it through other means. Yes, exactly. that's right. You know, it's not really living vicariously, but uh, <laughs> it's just shifting priorities, right, if you right. will. Uh, My shift lot in, in life. Shifting focus, but we'll shift focus from Texas football to high school football. Vandegrift head coach Drew Sanders will join us when we come back on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.